You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. We're in a new theme now. We're, we are in our last month of 2020, which is crazy in and of itself, but we are in a theme called Christmas Presents. Christmas Presents. And, uh, and it's based off Isaiah 9-6, and I'll read that real quick just to give us some context. I think most of us know it. I even know it, and I grew up Catholic. So, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. I love that. Beautiful, beautiful scripture to base this month upon. Um, and Christmas is fun, Right? I love Christmas. Christmas time is amazing. Uh, I love it still, even though I don't get twice the presents like I used to, because I grew up Catholic and Jewish, so I'd get Hanukkah and Christmas. Chrismica is what us half, half-caths would call it. And, uh, but I still love it, because I get presents. I get to give presents. I get to receive presents, like Jason was saying, J-Money. The reason, the reason he, he forgot my name is because I keep calling him J-Money. He says, Alex, if you don't if you don't stop calling me that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. And then he just did it. I'm just kidding. He never said that. He never said it. I think he loves it. He secretly loves it. Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. Uh, but I love Christmas. And uh, I think over the years, I'm sure there's obviously a lot of parents in the room. You love giving, you know, give, giving gifts. I, I have the hardest time finding gifts for my mom. It's always been that way. It's like she is the hardest person to give gifts to because she just loves giving so much. She's just, she, her gift is like, my gift to her would be like her like me receiving the gift that she's giving to me. You know what I mean? It's just like a weird, like, I'm like, come on, mom, you gotta give me something. So thankfully I've got my wife who, who uh, finds some great jewelry to give my mom and she actually wears that. Um, we think she only wears it around us though. That's, that's our theory. I have yet to confirm that. But, uh, but parents love giving gifts. I also realize, here's a, here's a tip for you husbands or you boyfriends that are new at this thing. And um, so I was a newlywed and actually we weren't even married yet. My wife's looking at me like, you are not going to tell this story. I am, but promise, babe, it's not going to make you look bad. So it was our first Christmas together. We've been dating for like seven, eight months. We're going to get married in February. So how, like, I'm like, I'm locked into this thing. Like, there's nothing to worry about. This is going to be awesome. So I, I, I give my wife, uh, I got her because she had been saying, I want to run this marathon. Like, she want to run a marathon. And so I'm like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to splurge. I'm going to get her these really nice shoes. I'm going to go to like this. I can't remember the name of the store, but it like, they hand, like, they tell you, oh, she's this, oh, she should get this. So they custom, help you custom fit. So I went and I do this whole thing. Problem was, uh, the, the shoes were like a weird color. And, but they said, they said it's fine because you can always come back and exchange it. I'm like, yeah, who cares about the color, right? Color doesn't matter. And, uh, and so I, I give the gift to my wife and then she opens it and she's actually pumped. So this isn't like, she was very gracious about it. But I remember a little bit after I heard someone saying like, yeah, you never actually give your spouse or a girl what they need. You give them what they want, right? So that's just a little tip because I, I learned that, it, you know, she was pumped about it after a little while, but I think initially there was a little bit of a shock. I think she might have been expecting some jewelry. I don't know. But I know from now on I give my wife gifts of what she wants, not what she needs. Just to help you guys out there. Or maybe I'm the only one that won't, but we'll find out. Okay, so we're going to jump into this. But just like, uh, just like parents love giving, because parents love giving gifts, so does God, our Father, love giving us gifts. I love that Jason even mentioned that God gives us gifts, because it's true. God gives us so many gifts. And, and I really believe that much of the dysfunction that we're seeing right now in the world 
is because it refuses to accept the gifts that God wants to give them. Mostly because they reject the giver of the gifts, which is Jesus. And I think much of the dysfunction, unfortunately, that we're seeing in the church right now, not all the church, but some of the church, is because they refuse to even open some of the gifts that God has given them. Or at least maybe taking them for granted. And so the question I have for us today is how do we stand out and how do we thrive as the church, as believers in Jesus Christ during trials, during tribulations, during difficulties, a.k.a. during 2020, when the world is caving into fear, lack, and chaos? And I believe that God shows us in his word that there is one solution for this broken world, especially right now in this season, and that's to open the presence of God over our lives, over our families, over our communities, the gifts that he has promised us in his word, we must open over our lives. So we're gonna look at what that looks like in Matthew 6.10. I'm gonna put that up real quick. Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray, and if you were to say, well, what gifts are they? It's really simple. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In your life, it should reflect heaven. Your life should reflect heaven. Every single year, it should reflect heaven. So if you're asking what gifts does God wanna give you? Well, what area of life? God wants to give you peace in your heart. God wants to give you restoration in your family. God wants to give you healing in your body. God wants to give you abundance in your finances. Come on, somebody. I don't know if y'all want some abundance in your finances, if y'all want some peace in your heart, but the title of this message today is gonna be Open Heaven. Open Heaven. Our responsibility for Salt Lake City is to open heaven over Salt Lake. Our responsibility for Utah is to open heaven. Our responsibility over our families, over our workplaces is to open heaven. So the first step to opening heaven, for those of y'all that are taking notes because you'll get to heaven, I'm just kidding. Just a joke. Just a joke, people. We're not down the street at a temple where they tell you a bunch of crazy stuff, okay? Yeah, y'all think I'm crazy for saying that, but seriously, I mean, If y'all have problems with that, you can talk to me after. I've had plenty of people do that already. All right, so so the first step to opening heaven over, over our life is we need to reframe the Father. We need to reframe who the Father is, and I'm talking about our Heavenly Father. Most of us grow up with different versions of fathers in our life. I lost my dad when I was nine years old, so I didn't have much of a version of a father. Some of us grow up with abusive parents. Some of us grow up with really great fathers, and I think all of them bear their own consequences in terms of how we actually view God because of that, because the Bible says that God is our Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father. He actually didn't come to reveal himself. We will see him come revelation, but Jesus came to reveal the Father and the character of the Father. So we actually get to see what that looks like in Matthew 7, verse 7. We're going to look at Matthew 7, verse 7. So it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? I sure hope not. That would be a terrible, terrible exchange. If then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things of those who ask him? Many of us need to realize that God actually wants to give us good gifts. Many, for many of us, that's actually a, a very foreign thing because our Father, 
Our earthly father was not that way. But we have to realize that God, your father in heaven, wants to give you good gifts, and all you gotta do is ask. James 1.17 is the next scripture we're gonna look at. It says that every good gift, every, someone say every, and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation of sh- or shadow of turning. In other words, every good thing in your life, every good thing, Chick-fil-A for one, from God, right? Your health in good health is from God. Your spouse is from God. Your job is from God. Your dog is from God. Like, I could go, your cat is from the devil, but your... D- now y'all, now y'all starting to talk. Now y'all starting to talk. Whew. Man, I'm going to have a lot of people up here at the front later. Might be a little late to that internship, interest meeting. But my point is every good thing is from God. Every good thing in your life. So it actually makes it a lot easier to start being grateful because you stop looking at all the things you don't have. And you start realizing all that you do have. I got a roof over my head. Father, thank you, God, that I have a roof over my head. Father, I thank you that I have a church that I love. I thank you that I have great friends. I thank you that I have a spouse that loves me. I thank you that I have food on my table. There are a lot of things we can be grateful for because every good gift comes from above. And the reality is if we want to live under and facilitate an open heaven for other people, we must constantly learn to surrender ourselves entirely to God. Because if something's not good in our life, it's, it, it, God's not done with it. But the reality is if it's not good yet, it likely hasn't even been surrendered to Jesus yet. You see, when I was growing up, obviously I, I shared I lost my dad when I was nine. So when I got saved at 22, it became really uh, apparent that I had some daddy issues, right? And, uh, and that's not you know, uncommon, I think, for most of us, even if we did grow up with a dad. And so I realized that every time, you know, I would hear about God being father, it was like, it was starting to heal my soul, but I realized it was actually really hard to say father. It took me a long time to go from God to father because I hadn't said it since I was nine years old. I remember growing up every single time I would hear about other people's dads or even, even my friends just talking to their dads. And I, every time I heard them say dad, it was like a piercing it was like rejection. It was like pain. And so for some of us, we, re- we, we really relate father to pain. But God wants us to reorient how we see him. God wants to realize that he can actually be a perfect father. And so I think while I had a little bit of challenge up front, it actually became very easy for me to realize that God has all these promises for me as his father or for him as my father, because I didn't have one growing up. So I didn't have a lot of context to compare to. And I just started accepting, okay, God, if you say you want to bless me in my finances, but that I have to trust you in that, I've got to surrender myself through tithing. Well, I guess I'm just going to have to do that. And so I did that. Oh, wow. Trust okay, God, you say you're going to bless my, my relationships. You're going to bless a marriage for me, but I've got to surrender that to you. I can't be sleeping with other people before marriage. I got to actually surrender my pornography addiction. I got to actually surrender all of my sexual life. I got to surrender that to you and your way of doing things. Okay, well, I trust you. That was painful, but I trust you. And then I got my beautiful wife. You see, God actually wants to get good and perfect things to you, but you've got to surrender your version or your worldly version or whatever it is that you're holding on to in order to get it. It's not like you got to go do something to get it. You just got to get rid of what you're holding on to that's not his. And so I found that as I slowly started doing that, I began to develop this thing called faith. Because faith is built on trust. I began to see the miraculous in my life as I started just trusting God. And that trusting God wasn't from something I did. Once again, it was something I gave up. So if we want to look at our lives and say, oh, wow, where have I, where have I missed seeing God? 
have I not trusted God in my relationship? Have I not trusted God as my provider? I've not trusted him as my protector that, oh my gosh, what, if I tithe, I won't have money for rent this month. If I tithe, I won't, I won't be able to go and get all these Christmas. If I, if I release this, God won't provide or God won't do it. But what I found is every time we can step out and say, you know what, I'm just gonna do it. He'll meet you there every single time because he's a good father and he loves you. So I want us to take inventory right now, just for a moment. And I want us to just take a moment and just ask Holy Spirit, is there something that I have not surrendered to you because I don't trust you as father? At the very end of this service, I'm going to pray for people, but I want you to just take a moment. I'm not going to ask anybody to lift their hands or do anything. I just want you to take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, is there anything that I have not surrendered to you because I don't trust you as father? Wonderful. Wonderful. We're going to move on to the second step because once we reframe our heavenly father to align with what the word of God says, we can actually step into step two, of opening heaven over our lives, receiving like a child, embracing childlike faith. So for us to fully open heaven over our lives, our families, our communities, we must embrace what we call childlike faith. We're going to look at that in Matthew 18, verse 1. Matthew 18, verse 1. And, uh, and the disciples are a, a funny bunch, y'all. They're a funny bunch. They're like, they, they realize that like the ministry is kind of ascending, coming to the end, getting to a climax. And they're like, all right, Time to find out who's the greatest. Time to find out who's the best. Time to find out who's gonna be number one. And so they asked Jesus the funniest question, but I know we would have all been asking this too. It's like, I can always make fun of the disciples, but I've probably done this. So uh, at the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's in the hall of fame? He says, then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You see, you can't actually give away what you don't have yourself. It is more blessed to give than to receive, but if you have nothing that you've received, there's nothing that you can give. You cannot give away the kingdom of God without first receiving the kingdom of God. Children, I found, don't have a problem receiving. They've got a problem giving. They got a problem sharing. But what is that? That comes with maturity. I found a lot of adults, a lot of Christian adults have no problem giving, but they have a really tough time receiving. You see, you can go through the motions of heaven without actually being a river of it. And what our city does not need is another building another group of people who go through the motions of heaven without first receiving the kingdom of God. I don't know if y'all caught that. What this, what this city does not need is another group of people who will just go through the motions of heaven. They'll be really kind. They'll be really generous. They'll be really great. They'll be really, I love God, but they would not have received the kingdom of heaven. They would not have received Jesus. They would not have received the Holy Ghost working through them, the power of God. And so what we need to understand is that uh, we never stop receiving first. We always give to keep, to keep the cycle going. Like, otherwise, you'll become like, a, like the, the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because it has no river flowing out. So it is dead, but at least it receives, right? If, if it never received and it only gave, it would, there would not even be water there. It would just be completely dry. So 
I remember when, uh, when I first got saved, it was really easy to receive because I realized my life was like as dysfunctional as it can get. And uh, every area of life, if you went like 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, you know, out of 10, uh, it was like one, maybe a two. And so I realized I needed to be like a child. I just needed to receive. I spent my whole life giving when I hadn't received anything. I spent my whole life giving away love when I hadn't received love. I spent my whole life giving away affirmation when I myself was dying to receive affirmation. So you'll find yourself in a really dysfunctional place when you do that for a long time. But after the internship, so I started to get healthy. I started to receive, and then I was getting in this healthy cycle of receiving, giving, receiving, giving, receiving, giving. And I was really healthy. So I did the internship. Cool. That was awesome received. Now I was giving away, uh, got married, you know, was receiving healing from God. Now I was married and I was giving that away. Um, and I was really doing all the things I became, uh, asked to get on staff. So that was awesome. Uh, business stuff was good, but I basically got to a place where I'm like, okay, I'm probably good now. I'm just going to stop doing the things. And I didn't even say this consciously, this unconsciously happened. See, once you start to get healthy, you think, oh, I'm just going to be healthy forever. Not if you stop doing the things that got you healthy. It's like someone who's working out and gets a great shape doesn't say, well, now that I got a six pack, I don't have to work out anymore, right? It's like, no, you got to keep doing that if you want to keep whatever you have to do to get something, same thing you have to do to keep it. And so I didn't catch that. So I go a year and a half, almost probably a year and a half into my, into my marriage and, and not doing well as a newlywed because I pulled myself out of connect group. I pulled myself out of men's prayer. I pulled myself out of the places I used to receive from because I thought I was too good for that, too busy for that. Call it whatever you want. But I pulled myself out of a place of receiving and it wasn't long before those same levels that were probably moving up to a seven, eight, nine started moving back down to a two, three, four. Now I'm in full-time ministry. I'm on staff. I'm supposed to be healed. I'm supposed to be doing well. I'm supposed to be all these things, but I find myself in a very broken place again. My marriage is not as functional as I thought. It was not as healthy as I thought it could be. It was, it was reflecting every single area of my life. And I said, what the heck is going on? I just got to keep pushing through, right? I just got to keep moving. I got to keep, I can't tell anybody because I'm a leader and all this stuff. And then one, one month I remember, uh, and this was really the turning point. We invited a a uh, pastor named Pastor Chris Hodges. Some of you know him. He's a very famous pastor in Alabama. He's got like 50,000 people coming to his church. He's a total boss, one of my heroes, literally, um, in, in kind of the church world in terms of pastors. And he came to our church to, to minister, but also we got to have him do some like individual leadership meetings to really tell us staff how to do things better. Because how many know if you want to get some more, you should probably find someone that's already been there. And so, uh, so the guys at 50,000 people on a Sunday, I'm like, wow, this guy's amazing. He loves like assimilation, like all the stuff I was doing. And, and I, I really mirrored a lot of the things that he uh, teaches. And so I was like, wow, he's going to be so impressed with me. My hero is going to be so excited. He's going to love me. And so I get in a meeting. It's myself, him, and two other people. Pastor Stacy, if you, if you know her, she was in there. And then there was somebody else um, who was involved at the time that was, that was helping on staff. And, uh, and so we were like, I think the third meeting of the day. So we jump in, we've got an hour with him. I'm just like, oh, this is going to be incredible. He's going to love me. And uh, he's going to tell Pastor Jurgen all about me. Like, this is going to be so good. And then uh, we, we're sitting there. And one of the first things he asks was, you know, Alex, you know, tell me about your, your assimilation process. Tell me what you do. <laughs> what do we do? Well, and I basically recite to him what he teaches and he's like, wow, that's, you know, that's great. He's like, um, just one question. I'm like, of course, what, what, what question do you have for me? He says, because uh, I tell him, I said, hey, you know, the first thing we do, we make sure people are in connect group. 
you know, and serving on team, because if you're needed and you're known, you're going to flourish in life. And he's like, wow. Cause that's what he's, it's literally verbatim what he says. He says, so, uh, so you're obviously on team, you're serving on staff. He's like, uh, uh, you're in a connect group, right? For half a second, I literally was going to lie to him. I totally was going to do it. But then I realized, no, this guy definitely hears from God. I better, I better just own it. And, uh, and so I said, well, no, but, and he says, can I, can I, can I share something with you? I'm like, oh, this is, this is not going to be good. (laughs) He said, you would not be on my staff, son. I said, well, that sucks. And, uh, (laughs) I pretty much didn't say a word for the rest of the meeting. But what I realized, and he didn't even tell me consciously, like he didn't actually tell me this, but what he basically told me, and I came to realize, because I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, why did he ask me that? And, uh, and why did he tell me I wouldn't be on his staff? Like, I'm flipping awesome. Doesn't he know me? <laughs> he said, and the Holy Spirit was like, well, you stopped receiving. The reason they have that set up connect group and serving is because you need a place to receive and you need a place to give. He said, you stopped receiving and what you've been giving has not been the kingdom. And it was pretty challenging. And, uh, but it shifted me. It, it actually, it was a pivotal moment because I literally could have kept going and I probably would have burned out at that rate I was going. But I had that moment and I got challenged by a pastor and I got challenged by the Holy Spirit to say, you actually need to always be in a place of receiving. So shortly after that, that my wife and I got back into a connect group, I started going again to men's prayer. And guess what? That place of receiving, I have now served out of overflow. I now ministered out of overflow. I now was healthy inside and out. I wasn't just faking it. I wasn't just going through the motions of heaven. So I want you to just take a moment and then we're gonna move into the last point. But I want you to think about, was there, is, there, is there a place right now where you have stopped receiving because you got too busy? Have you stopped receiving because you're a leader now? how can you get back to that place of receiving from the Father? Because the truth is, once we establish a lifestyle of receiving and of giving, our lives will literally be like a river of heaven for your family. Our lives will literally be like a river of heaven for our communities, for our city, for this state, because God knows this city needs a river of life. But for it to be life, we've got to receive first so we can give. Finally, the the last step to opening heaven over our lives, over our families, over our communities. Once we've reframed the heavenly father, once we've positioned ourselves to receive like a child, before we can become rivers of an open heaven, we must unwrap the greatest gifts that God has given us. I'm gonna read Acts 1 verse four, Acts 1 verse four. And so this is after Jesus was, This was after, this was really the promise of the Holy Spirit is what we're about to read. So he says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Someone say power. 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and all the ends of the earth, in Salt Lake City, in San Diego, and beyond, you shall be a witness. You see, the two greatest gifts that God has given us, and I think of them like the gifts that Santa would bring on Christmas, right? Because I'm gonna know Santa always brought the best gifts. Like mom and dad would bring, and it depends. I guess different households probably did different things. They, some maybe didn't want Santa to bring the greatest gifts, so they would be like, Santa brings class B gifts. Mom and dad bring class A gifts, right? So I don't know, maybe you did it differently, but in my house, I always got the best gifts from Santa. And, uh, and so I would think of these gifts, like these two gifts as like, these are God's greatest gifts that he's given us. It's our salvation through Jesus Christ, basically our presence in eternity with him. And it's really the person of the Holy Spirit who brings gifts of his own. How many, how many like gifts that bring gifts? It's like those like gift boxes. You just keep opening them and they just keep having gifts. It's like, that's amazing. Uh, and I remember the, the first time, so salvation is, is the first part. I'm gonna pray for people in a moment who have not opened that gift, who maybe have been presented with that gift, but they, they say, I, I didn't think that gift was for me. Friend, that gift was for everybody. Jesus Christ died on a cross, came as human flesh, to restore your life to God, to restore your life to the Father, because he knew that for him to have his family back, he had to rescue them from their own turmoil, from their own sin, from their own dysfunction. And I opened that gift five years ago when I first got saved, five and a half years ago, almost almost six now, here in the new year. And uh, it's been the greatest gift that I could have ever opened. But the second gift was the person of the Holy Spirit. And I know this isn't always talked about in the church at large, um, in Utah, probably specifically, um, but all around the world, is this person of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit actually empowers you to do what you and I can't do to fulfill the gospel. You see, you and me on our own, this is where it makes sense because Jesus says, I want you to do greater things than I would do. You and I look at ourselves like, I know me, I can't do what you did. I can't raise the dead, I can't heal the sick, I can't see miracles happen, I can't provide, I, I, I just, how, how do you want me to do that? That almost seems like that was probably just for the apostles, that was probably for just the guys that were really tied with them, but Jesus says, that's actually for all of us. So how do we do that? How do we actually live in the grace of the gospel? It's through the person of the Holy Spirit. Because that was the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. If that same spirit lives in us, you see, when you receive Jesus Christ, at the same time, you actually receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Jesus said, it was actually good that I go. It's good. The disciples were like, it's not good. It's not done yet. Like, this, you're leaving all this to us? He's like, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I'm sending your helper. I'm sending the one who came upon Samson to destroy the Philistines. I'm sending the one who came upon David that anointed him king and ascended in really established the lineage that Jesus would come through. I'm sending the person of the Holy Spirit who helped form the earth. That same spirit that raised, I'm sending the same spirit that rose me from the dead into you. That's why even though none of us walk around with Jesus in our purse, right? We have Jesus in our heart through the person of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so I remember when I, I got saved and it was, it was a few months later, I was kept hearing about the Holy Spirit and I would receive prayer and I knew that something was different inside of me, but I hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit because we all receive the Holy Spirit. I wanna make that really clear. Every person that has received Christ has received the Holy Spirit, but there's something to receive the Holy Spirit and there's something to be 
baptize in the Holy Spirit. It's basically like an igniter. If you can imagine igniting the Holy Spirit inside of you, activating the power of God inside of you. And I remember I went to a conference. We called it Party in the Desert. It was for our young adults, and uh, and it was a blast. Like I, I, we had some of our greatest memories at that conference. And it was it was every year we would do that. We'd go to Palm Springs, which is a few hours away from from San Diego, and we'd go away with our young adults and we'd seek God and we'd see the power of God move. And I remember it was the last session. It was Pastor Matt Tuggle, who was my wife and I's pastor when we first got married. He's uh, incredible. I think he's actually coming out here in a few weeks. Um, so hopefully we'll get him to preach. And, uh, and he moved powerfully in, in, in the spirit. And the entire message was gearing up just like this was. He said, I want to pray for some people right now who have not been baptized in the power of God or want to get filled with the Holy Spirit again. And I came up to the front because I was hungry. I was six months saved. I was like, I need this. I feel like I had been, I, I was in men's prayer and I, someone had prayed for me and I started praying in tongues, but I felt like there was more. I felt like there, it, it could be unlocked at a greater level. Like I feel like I maybe opened the door a little bit, but I wanted that thing to swing open because there were some things I was still struggling with, some mindsets that I couldn't shake. There were some, some dysfunctions in my past that I just wanted to see completely broken. And you cannot break addiction. You cannot break dysfunction. You cannot break whatever with just motions of heaven. You actually need the power of heaven to do that. And so I remember I went up and I just, I just went like this and I was like, I'm not going to fall down, but I'm going to stand like this. And he's going to pray for me. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fall. And remember he came up and he just put his hand on my head and he said, power of God, power of God, power. And, he, and it was after he had already corporately prayed and he just was going to impart because the Bible says that we actually impart spirit to spirit. So he came and he prayed over me. And I remember I just flew back. I remember I woke up and I was like, and it wasn't like two minutes later. Like I literally just, I woke, it was like, as I hit the ground, I was like, whoa, what just happened? I felt like I blacked out. But as I was kind of thinking that, I was praying in the spirit. I was like, wow, this is, it's flowing. Like I, I never thought it would flow. And immediately I began to see visions. And it was the next day I actually went back to church. Um, Cause we, we go back on that Sunday. I got water baptized and it was the, most important weekend I think I had my first year of my salvation because that was the moment when um, basically from there on out my addiction to pornography was broken a lot of my mindsets of dysfunction and uh, poverty all these things that I grew up with were shattered and it was like God as soon as that happened it was like things were going like this and then it was like boom and it was right after that that I felt the nuts to do the internship that same weekend and it was like back to back to back to back to back God began moving because I finally had access to the power of God. I finally ignited the switch to the power of God in my life. So I want to take a moment and actually pray because there's a Acts chapter two. I'm going to read that really quick and then I'm going to invite us to pray. Acts chapter two, verse one. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, just like this. They were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, the whole house not just the really holy people, not just the people that came to church four times. No, it filled the whole house. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And then we see in Romans 8, verse 26 to 27, it talks about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, thank God. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. How many get stuck after a couple minutes praying in English? I know I do, so maybe just me, that's fine. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind 
of the Spirit is because he makes intercession by the saints according to the will of God. How many want to pray perfect prayers? I don't know about you. I want to pray perfect prayers to heaven because I know I'm going to get in my way. What if the Holy Spirit's praying, God, I want you to, you know, and he's arranging things for you to be blessed. He's arranging things for your children to come back. He's arranging things for your life to improve. And we don't know how to pray that. That's why he says, pray in the Spirit. He said, it's good that you pray in the Spirit. He said, Paul said, I pray in the Spirit more than all y'all. I'm not bragging, but I pray more than all y'all in the Spirit. I learned Pastor Jurgen the key to his success. He always said, he's like, I'm not that brilliant, but I know that I let, I let the Holy Spirit pray through me a lot. And he says probably 70, 80% of his prayer time is in the Holy Spirit, is praying in tongues. And so I decided I'm just going to do that too. And as soon as that happened, there were blessings that came in. There were things that arranged themselves. There were all kinds of stuff that happened because I was not in the way anymore. So today I want everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. I wanna, I wanna pray for two groups of people. The first group of people I wanna pray for is you have not opened the gift of salvation. You have not opened the gift of getting right in relationship with God. And remember, it's not what you do. It's actually what Jesus did and it's us just responding to it. So I want to ask this one question. Is your soul right with God? Is your soul right with God? And you know that because you've placed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. You've acknowledged him not only as Savior, the one who's getting you to heaven, but you've acknowledged him as Lord, meaning he has access to every area of your life. And you've acknowledged that. If you are saying, Alex, I don't, I haven't done that yet. Today, friend, I want you to do that. Just like I did five and a half years ago, I want you to just lift your hand on the count of three. When I pray, I want to know who I can pray for. So I want you just to lift your hand on the count of three if you're saying, yeah, I haven't done that yet, and I know I need to do that. I need to get right with God. I need to know that I'm in right relationship with my Heavenly Father. One, friend, God loves you. Two, I promise you'll never be the same. Three, if you can just lift your hand just so I know who I'm praying for. Beautiful. I see your hand up here in the front. Brilliant. I see your hands here in the, in the middle. Beautiful. I see your hands. Beautiful. I'm just going to wait 10 more seconds because someone waited 10 seconds for me. Beautiful. I see your hand, sir, here on the left. And once you put your hand up, you can put it down. Beautiful. Is there just one more person? Is there one more person I'm waiting for? Beautiful. I see your hand here. Incredible. Incredible. Well, friends, I want us to stand to our feet. Can we all stand to our feet real quick? I want us to pray a prayer. Um, and this prayer I want us to pray is one that will invite Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in our life. He's actually going to come in and be placed upon the throne of your life. So whether you've prayed this one time or whether you've prayed this a thousand times, it does not matter. All that matters is that today you're saying, Jesus, I'm making you Savior. I'm making you Lord. You're my Father. So I want us to all pray this together because we've all prayed this at one time. But those of you that just raised your hands for the first time or you're reaffirming your decision, I want you to say this with all your heart, with all your soul. And then what, what's gonna happen is after we close the service, some of our team from our response team are just gonna come up, ask to pray with you. You can actually see them in the back. We've got a little response lounge area. You can get a free gift, uh, which is a Bible and a following Jesus book, which will be really helpful for you. Ted's holding it up right here, the mighty man. Ted, come on, Ted's a brilliant man. So I'm gonna get you guys those gifts, but... I want you to pray this all together. So everyone say this with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you died for me, that you took my sin, that you took my dysfunction, and you repaired my heart, and you repaired my relationship with my Heavenly Father. I turn away from my old life, and I look to you as I step into 
my new life in Christ. I declare all things are made new. I declare you are my Savior, you are my Lord, and you are my Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.